Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to another Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, one of the technical editors at Bike Radar, MBUK and Cycling Plus magazine. Thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, you've subscribed or you've come across this. Uh, if you've come across it, do click the subscribe button because otherwise you'll miss all of our podcasts that come out every Monday. This one's going to be a little bit shorter than usual. This is one of our Bike Radar shorts podcasts, and that's because I'm sat in the studio on my own. We thought we'd have a bit of a throwback because there's been a couple of interesting bits of news come out in the past week. There is a little bit more coverage on bikeradar.com, but we thought we'd use a podcast to talk about two bits of news. So the first one, if you're a mountain biker, back in the day from you know the late 90s, early 2000s, the Mizoki Z1 coil was an absolutely classic fork. It was one that everyone wished for. You know, forks back then tended to have elastomer springs, and then all of a sudden, Mizoki come out with their coil sprung, open bath, lubricated fork, and it was a revelation. The fork itself was very smooth, very plush, and the service life of it was massive, so it was super reliable. And because it was wasn't based on foamy elastomer springs, it worked pretty much whatever the weather. Now, Mizoki had a few fallow years, uh, and not a huge amount kind of happened, and they didn't lose their way, but they certainly weren't up there with the big boys of Fox and RockShox. However, a few years ago now, Fox bought out Mizoki. Uh, it became part of their group as, I guess, almost their budget option, I think it's fair to say. Anyway, last year we saw the reintroduction of the Z1 Air Fork, you know, a hard-hitting 29 and 27.5, 150 to 180 mil travel fork. We had the fork in for testing and, you know, it was pretty good, uh, certainly for the money. However, you know, as with a lot of these air sprung forks, the mid-stroke support wasn't incredible. However, last week we got a press release about the new Z1 coil fork. Now, the benefit of this coil fork is hopefully there's going to be a bit more mid-stroke support at the expense of a few hundred grams extra weight. Now, the old fork, as I said, was super reliable thanks to that open bath system where there was a lot of oil sloshing around. And the new Z1 coil doesn't have an open bath system. However, 
Mizoki are claiming a 125-hour service interval, and that's both for the lowers and the damper, which is way and above pretty much anything else out there. Some folks, they've got service intervals of like 25 to 40 hours for a simple lower leg service. So 125 hours is a lot of riding time. So Mizoki have fitted a lightweight silicon chromium steel spring. So it's not like the old school steel springs. Uh, it should be a little bit lighter. Now, they are saying that in its lightest configuration, uh, the forks come in at two and a half kilos. Uh, 2,525 grams is their claimed weight for their lightest version. However, we've got a 29-inch, 170mm travel version with an extra firm spring, uh, and that's come on our scales at 2,524 grams, so one gram lighter than they claim. However, we have cut the steerer down to 195 millimeters. So we've talked about the spring side. On the other side is a standard uh, fit grip damper. Uh, that's the damper you'll find across Fox's entry-level rhythm forks as well. And generally speaking, we've been fairly impressed with that damper on those more entry-level forks. So the interesting thing is, well, I say the interesting thing if you're interested in it. If you're not, you're not. But so the Z1 Air and the Z1 Coil share the same chassis. So it's the same lowers, the same uppers, um, and obviously they share the same grip damper. Now, if you have a Z1 Air fork, but kind of want the coil in there, either because you don't particularly like the air spring or because you want to hark back to that original Z1 coil, you can drop the spring or the coil spring into your air spring. So you take out the air spring and you drop the coil in there. Now, in the UK, that conversion is going to cost you £155. Uh, in America, it's $130, we think. And if you're in Europe, it's about €180. Euros. There are a number of different springs. There's four different springs for your various weights, um, and they're £55, $45, or €63. Euros. Now, one of the interesting things is because Fox own Mizoki, the Rhythm 36 fork, which again is that more budget 36, uh, is very similar to the Z1. And if you've got a Rhythm 36, you can actually drop in Mizoki's coil spring into the air spring side. So Again, if you've got a Rhythm 36 but you want a coil fork, there you go. It won't work with you know, your performance, your performance elites or your factories. Um, that's not the conversion you can do, but a Rhythm 36 can now be a coil fork. One of the issues, and I will stop talking about this fork in a minute and go into something a bit more roady in a second, so don't worry all my drop bar fans, but... One of the issues with a coil fork is that spring rate. So while air forks tend not to have so much mid-stroke support, they ramp up towards the end of the travel, coil forks in theory have a linear spring rate, so you can get towards the end of the travel a little bit easier. Now, Mazok is saying that basically the air and the oil within the coil spring system offers that end stroke support and progressivity, and that has been tuned from the factory. So in theory, it shouldn't be quite so linear all the way to the end of its stroke. You can't tune that yourself, but it's a nice little thing in there which they reckon will improve the performance. So if you've kept with me over the past few minutes of warbling on about a Z1 coil fork and it's not particularly interesting to you, I do apologize. But speaking of harking back to things, We've talked a fair bit over the past, I'd say, year or two about the re-rise of the aluminium road bike and aluminium components. And we reckon at Bike Radar that 2020, again, could be the year where they come maybe much more, but at least a little bit more mainstream. So the opening sort of big 
race of the year is obviously the Tour Down Under down in Australia. And before um, that race happens, you get the Schwalbe Classic crit, which is sort of the season opener race. Now, last year we saw Peter Sagan racing that crit on a specialised Alley Sprint, which is an aluminium aero race bike. Uh, and this year, uh, de Koenig, Quickstep and Bora Hansgrohe have also raced this crit, or will be racing this crit at the very least, on that aluminium bike. So we're seeing these alloy bikes being brought back into the mainstream, back into top-level racing. Um, so Sam Bennett's racing it for de Koenig, uh, and Jay McCarthy is racing it for Bora Hansgrohe. So I think this is sort of kind of interesting. The other thing we've sort of seen over the past few months, uh, and if you keep abreast of BikeRadar.com, you'll have noticed it as well, is more and more alloy or printed titanium parts coming into the top end of road and track cycling. 2020 is obviously a Olympic year. We've got the Tokyo Olympics coming up pretty soon. Um, we had a fairly in-depth look at the Hope HB. T, uh, which is their track bike. Now, that's obviously largely carbon fiber, but there is a fair bit of 3D printed titanium around the handlebars, for example. Um, and this just means it's a very quick uh, prototyping and building of these, you know, parts that really need a lot of design work and could, in theory, if they're made out of carbon, be very expensive to make so customized. What we've also seen is an Australian company called Bastion. Uh, they're doing a lot of 3D titanium printing. Uh, and they've created um, a number of components for the Australian national track team. Uh, and they've got a stem, uh, which the team will be racing. And it's going to cost you about £1,100, which we think makes it the most expensive stem on the market. Have a little search through bike radar for Bastion Cycles and you'll find a full story there. Now, they're also doing um, a 3D tie printed crank. Uh, for the track team, and also a slightly funky-looking double-drop handlebar, uh, which the track team and Bastion themselves say gives a number of extra hand positions on a track bike, uh, whether you're going sprinting or going for those longer races as well. So this has sort of made us think, as we say, could 2020 be the year where the metal, whether it's aluminium or titanium, or even steel, for that matter, bike comes back into the mainstream? So this has sort of got us thinking a little bit here at Bike Radar. Maybe 2020 is the year where we start to see some real shift changes in the manufacturing of bicycles. So carbon fibre itself isn't known for maybe being the most environmentally conscious material. It, there, there's a lot of issues with, with carbon fibre production. So, you know, companies having these 3D printed titanium things for rapid prototyping, for making more customised things is, is really interesting. The flip side of that is um, the Acel Group, um, which uh, they're a European company, um, and they have brands including uh, Highbike, uh, Lapierre, uh, and Ghost. Um, so they are changing the way that they make their carbon fiber. We've got a press release about this um, again last week. It's quite interesting. So they're, they're going to keep making their carbon fiber, but they're moving some of their production to a um, factory in Belgium. Um, and this factory in Belgium claimed to have like a, an automated carbon fiber layup system, which I, I guess maybe that's going to make it more efficient, um, quicker, um, potentially less environmentally damaging, I don't know. Um, but they, they've also got this material which they call reinforced. It's obviously not spelt reinforced because why would you spell something 
the way it's pronounced. Uh, it's re in and then the number four CED, so reinforced. Um, and the idea that what they call it feather technology. So they've basically put little bits of steel into the um, carbon weave. Now, they say that this kind of helps keep weight down, but it adds some impact resistance. Um, so we're not 100% sure how exactly this all works, but I, I guess the idea is that if you've got a more impact-resistant frame, that means less damage in you know from rock strikes, which should make a frame last a bit longer, less throwaway. And if you combine it with uh, this more automated um, manufacturing process, which potentially could be more efficient, and have it all made in Europe, where the I, I guess the the shipping and the logistics of getting those bikes to the end consumer, who you know certainly for you know Ghost, which I think is the first um, of those brands which is going to be using this on a cross country hardtail from later this year. You know I'm guessing the biggest bit of Ghost market is in Europe. So if you can produce the frame much closer to where it's being sold. That is a good thing rather than shipping over crates and crates full of carbon frames from the Far East. So, yeah, so I, th I think that's kind of interesting. Maybe maybe 2020 will be the year where we start to sort of see a bit more um, consideration going into the manufacturing of bikes. Right, so the final little story we just wanted to talk about is a, a rather unfortunate one. Now, if you keep abreast of the Bike Radar podcast, and we hope you do via subscribing, so do click subscribe, you might have heard a story about a uh, poor kid who happened to deglove his penis um, through not having bar plugs in his bars. Uh, and that's uh, made us all wince a little bit in the office. And we heard of another story which, again, made us wince. So Sunweb's Chris Hamilton um, was due to be racing at the Australian Road Championships uh, recently. However, he, um, he had a little uh, whoopsie on his bike between Christmas and New Year. Um, and he said, yep, fellas, it's just as painful as you think. Uh, nothing was broken, but since someone was going to ask what he did anyway, he ruptured his testicle. And uh, let's just say that there's a lot of things that can go wrong in a crash, uh, you know, gravel rash, maybe a broken collarbone. Uh, but rupturing a testicle is possibly one of the most feared injuries I think I could ever imagine. So um, he's going to have some operations. Um, he is pretty devastated. He said to be sidelined for the Aussie summer. Um, but fingers crossed, uh, once he's had a bit of uh, surgery and some repairs to uh, his nether regions, uh, he'll be back on the bike very soon. So um if you are listening, Chris, we're wishing you the best of recoveries. So yeah, there you go. That was a relatively quick, but not super quick, Bike Radar Shorts podcast. Um, a lot of this news and tech has been covered on bikeradar.com, so do head over there to catch up on everything else that's been going on. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll catch you next Monday.